0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco and thanks for listening in on another episode. Or if this is your first time stopping by, I'm grateful to have you. This podcast is all about the getting started moments, the turning points that got each guest started on a new path toward happiness, the ups and downs of the journey, how they were able to commit to a change, and all the lessons learned along the way. I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode. So let's jump right in and get it started. <music> On this week's episode, I welcome in Andrew Feinstein, who is a creator and wellness coach, helping individuals grow into who they are meant to be. By reconnecting you to yourself and helping you be your own coach, Andrew brings out the true nature within you, giving you love of your life, your job, and your relationships. He is the author of the best-selling book, Find Your Mind, and an endurance athlete. And we had such a great conversation going into many different pockets of you know, finding your happiness and being able to grow from where you are today to where you want to go, talking about mindfulness and, you know, even getting into, you know, routines and systems that you can build, you know, to become better in your life. So all different types of areas we go into, I enjoy this conversation immensely, and I hope you do too. So without further ado, please welcome in Andrew Feinstein. Andrew, awesome to have you, man. Thanks for joining and I appreciate it, man. I'm super pumped. can't wait, yeah, long time coming. I'm glad we were able to reconnect um after a while. There was a stint there for a while where we didn't connect I, don't, I know we were kind of doing our own thing, so uh, it was good to connect again with you and glad to have you on here and always i you know one of the reasons I want to have you on because when we talked, gosh, I guess this had to be 2019 now, maybe into 2020 um I just always appreciate your perspective because you're a lot younger than me. So your perspective, just kind of on the world and, you know, kind of some of the things that you've gone through. So here's what I thought would be fun. I've done this a few times in the podcast. It always goes sort of well. So I'll do the same with this one. I think it will be cool. (laughs) So this at least starts us in the right direction. So I wrote four words down and I'm going to give you the opportunity to kind of dealer's choice. You choose where we go. All right. Four words, confidence, awareness, connections, and perspective. Which one do you want to start with? Mm. Let's start with awareness. Awareness. Okay. Awesome. Um, the reason I wrote this word and, and kind of in preparation for this because it seemed in the times that we've talked and, and definitely in the last time we talked, it seems like you have way more awareness, self-awareness now than you ever yeah. have, and because you've gone through a lot of shit in your life. Um, so I'm curious how important. Well, I'm taking the two two fronts here. One, when did you discover more awareness or when did that become something important? Hmm. And how have you harnessed that to be able to actually navigate your journey to where it is today? So kind of a two-parter there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's it's a super fascinating concept, right? This idea of awareness, because um, it's not tangible, right? So like, you know, I could be like, hey, Brian, you seem like a super aware guy, <laughs> but it's like, where... where does that necessarily even come from? And, and when I think back, like even for my own journey, the like moment of like tangible awareness that I can remember is like being 10 years old. And for no reason whatsoever, I just remember like trying to fall asleep one night. And all of a sudden my brain just like hit me with this question of like, well, what happens when we die? And like it was totally unprompted. You know, I hadn't had, I didn't had an experience of death in my family. I wasn't like, dealing with stuff, it just was like, I guess I cognitively became old enough to realize that this was a question that maybe people are asking. And it like kind of spun me down this rabbit hole of like, well, I don't remember what happened beforehand. And nobody has ever like explained what happens afterwards. And, you know, you want to tie in whatever religious upbringing I had, or physiological or psychological, whatever it may be. But I just remember sitting there and being like, whoa, what am I supposed to do with the answer to this question? Um, And I would say like any 10 year old kid, I just decided to think about something pleasant and like not deal with that because it seemed like something way too big to tackle. Um, and then it wasn't until I went to college that I started to experience other religious beliefs and other, um, philosophy beliefs that like that question started to kind of come back and percolate in my head. Um, and it sent me down a rabbit hole of, of two things. One was, uh, alcohol abuse, and the other was meditation, like simultaneously. Um, And as you can imagine, when those two are kind of at odds with each other, something is going to give and something is going to change. And um, I basically, in my senior year of college, went completely sober and decided to pursue this concept of meditation, Buddhism, mindfulness, all of this world, Uh, in full force. And that was really like the start of being able to find answers to this idea for myself of like, what is the meaning of life? How do I live my best life? And how can I continue to push forward in a way that really matters? Um, And, you know, I guess to kind of bring it full circle, I I don't have an answer to that question. I have no idea what happens when we die. And I'm not setting out to answer that question. Um, It was more so finding a little bit of peace within myself, That allowed me to keep moving forward in a direction that I wanted to um, without having to have that question kind of like be nagging in the back of my head. Um, So, you know, awareness for me is something that's kind of always been there, but something I didn't really understand until I kind of had this like, you know, enlightenment moment of, hey, I can't drink my entire life away, I need to figure something else out, basically.
0: Well, one of the uh, quotes I love from Confucius I I discovered a few years ago is something along the lines of, we have two lives, and the second begins when we realize we just have one, Um, something along those lines. But I didn't discover that until I was in my mid-30s. And I feel like most people, and I will bucket the majority of people in their 20s, are just completely lost, right? You don't have any idea of what's going on, very complacent, kind of just going through the the ruts Mm. of life. So I'm curious, going back to awareness a little bit, and maybe this kind of dips into perspective slightly is, how did you gain that, especially with alcohol being such a big part of your life? Yeah, how did, how were you able to get over that? And get to that point of that Mm. was the path you wanted to you know, kind of walk down. If if we're a Robert Frost poem here, you, you took the (laughs) world that traveled by, um, and that made all the difference. Like, how did you come to that realization?
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's super interesting, right? Because as you're saying, I do feel like in in college and in your 20s, I don't know if necessarily I would say people would agree to like, hey, I'm in a rut or like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Because I think there's this like faux sense of like, you're supposed to have it figured out. And like drinking and partying and like all of these things are part of that, right? Like, and that's kind of where I was, I was like, I'm doing everything right. You know, people say you're supposed to go to college, you're supposed to go out four to five times a week, if you black out, it's like, not ideal. But like, nobody's like, hey, this is like a problem, you know, like, I mean, this stat always fascinated me is like binge drinking was defined as like having more than like three drinks in a night or something like that. I'm like, literally half of America does that like, once a week at the minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of became this thing where it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have a problem. It was kind of like, no, I'm doing everything right, but something feels wrong. Um, And I think that that was kind of the difference for me. And I've talked about it at length with friends and family members about this idea of like, you know, people asking me, well, you know, should I stop drinking? And I'm kind of like, I, I don't want to preach to anybody like, hey, alcohol is bad. Don't ever look, don't do it. Don't even think about it. You know, I knew for me, that every time that I grabbed a bottle or every time I reached for a beer, every time I wanted a glass of wine, it became more than that. It became less of like enjoying something and more of like, this thing has power over me that helped like causes me to lose myself. Um, And that was really scary to see. And it really wasn't like a, you know, I wasn't so self aware that I was like, Oh, my gosh, alcohol has control over me. But I'm still doing it. I need to like address this. And like, you know, I didn't like sit in meditation and come to this conclusion. Um, It was actually rather way more embarrassing. I got kicked out of my cousin's wedding at 7pm because I I was too drunk to function. And, um, you know, had one of those moments where like, you wake up the next morning, and your family members are like looking at you, and they give you that look where like, you forgot what happened the night before, but the second you see that look in their eyes, you're like, Oh shit. Like I remember what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember just saying to myself, okay, I need to, I need to tone it back. Um, and I made a vow to myself to take two weeks off and, you know, just kind of reassess things. And, uh, those two weeks turned into four and a half years. Um, and it, I just kind of never looked back. You know, I realized the second I removed it from my life that I was not looking at so many things that were important to me and that, were defining of who I was, right? I didn't want to be this guy that just went out and blacked out, I I wanted to be something more for myself and for the world. Um, But I think it was removing that distraction that allowed me to even like, recognize that this was something that was wrong, and that I wanted something different. James
0: Clear talks a lot about, you know, building systems to be able to create Mm. better habits. Were there certain systems that whether they were subconscious and just kind of happened, yeah. or something you were intentional about, but any systems you put into play to keep the alcohol out and put other things in.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing is like, you got to just remove it all from like your area. Right. I mean, um, as somebody that like, I would not call myself an alcoholic, I would say that I was probably trending towards that ter- territory and had, you know, alcoholic tendencies. But um, you know, I think step one for me that I realized that was helpful is that like, I shouldn't have it around, you know, like if it's in my space, and I'm constantly exposed to it, it's going to be way harder to say no. Um, you know, so for me, in my senior year of college, I just turned 21 three months prior, you know, this is the year where like, okay, finally, I don't need to use a fake ID. And I should be able to just go out and do whatever I want. And I decided, you know, September of 2017, that I was done drinking. And, you um, I stopped going out like that was literally the biggest thing that I had to do is like for at least three months, I stopped going out. Um, And I'm never going to preach this to anybody because I lost every single friend I had. Um, I had no idea that all of my friends were friends that I went out with. So you know, here I am in my last year of college, which is supposed to be one of the best years of your life. And I have zero friends, I have no idea like who I am. And I don't know what to do. Um, So you know, I think the systems for me were kind of like, (laughs) everything was on like the fritz and I had no idea what was going on. And, um, you know, my goal at that point was just to do things that, you know, I thought would be things that, you know, the person that I admired, somebody that was five years sober, somebody that was living a life that looked to me like something I would want. I decided to just start doing stuff that they were doing from, you know, the fitness to the meditation, to reading more, and really just kind of replace all of my going out habits with these habits. Um, you know, at the same time, I I, <laughs> I was pledge master of my fraternity, which is like the funniest like side story, um, because, you know, here's this guy now that like is, you know, I'm not going to say hazing, but encouraging, you know, other kids to partake in, you know, brotherly bonding that is like dead sober the entire time. And um, it was a whole like, it's a very weird transition. But yeah, I think, you know, from a system standpoint, um, I didn't really have any systems because it was like a full shock to my body and I think the newness of it just like I I just tried to figure things out and then I think you know I would say three four months in I started to build things around that um, new life that I wanted for myself that instead of like keeping the alcohol away actually like made my new life enjoyable right because I think that's a key difference in my mind is instead of saying like how do I get rid of the bad it's like okay well how do I actually enjoy the good you know um, and I think that that really helped me build a life that
0: that I was really proud of. You know, identity is something that we all struggle with, especially as we're making change because we want to. We we have this idea of, hey, we fit into this group, and now we're not going to be in that group, and you know, all the the stuff that comes with that. I, I'm curious to understand. Did you? I don't want to use the word lie, but did you kind of have to act? Like, oh, I'm not drinking at night or I'm not feeling good. Or like, did you have to do things early on to still fit in being in the fraternity and being around those folks before they caught on? Or were you very direct of like, hey, I'm just doing this? Yeah, I I think it's a great
1: question. I mean, I love to even just talk about identity generally, because I think like I've had moments in my life, even post uh, going sober, that like my identity was just shook into the core and trying to like pick yourself back up from that is like, uh, you know, I mean, we obviously both know Rich Keller and, you know, this idea of like, who you are is not what you do. And I think like, that gets very hard, especially like when you go from college into the real world, world. And now it's like, you do something. So like, tell us what you do. Um, But from the alcohol standpoint, yeah, I I think, you know, the first few months were really difficult. Um, It was really awkward to kind of tell people like, yeah, I'm not drinking and then be like, Uh, you know, some people be like, what? And other people be like, oh, congrats. How long have you been sober? And then you have to be like three days, you know, or like, so, um, you know, I think it it was a very, um, kind of sobering, you know, no pun intended experience to realize that all of a sudden, like, like I said, the people that I thought, you know, understood me and got me really didn't. And now, you know, I was doing things like, okay, if I did want to go out, like, I'd tell the bartender to make my club soda look like a gin and tonic. So I didn't even have to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a really difficult time period just of figuring out like, who do I want to be? And like, if I'm now going to try to make new friends, like what is the basis under which I want to make these friends because it's not to go out. So then like, what is it going to be? Because in college there's not much else that you learn. Um, you know, you go out, you have school and then like, maybe there's another extracurricular you're involved in, but other than that, like that's your life. Um, it's,
0: it's a difficult, yeah. it's a difficult, you know, when we talk about identity, um, and I, and I could take this out a few fronts, um, changing careers, but also like from the friendship thing, um, you know, I look at it, I'm so grateful from the ch- you know, the fact is I have. I'm from upstate New York. I don't know if, if you if you knew that or not, but from upstate New York and moved down to the Carolinas for college. So I've been down here now for over half my life in, in North Carolina. Wow. But I've been fortunate. Some of my best friends from New York live down here in the same area. Mm. They just moved down for various reasons. But I only see them every once in a while. And when we hang out and get together, it's fun and it's great to catch up and we do whatever. But we're just in different wavelengths on stuff, you know, I'm very much into entrepreneurship, and, and kind of this whole idea of like doing all these, these, you know, projects that I do. And, and they're into different stuff. And it's cool when we get together at times, but I've noticed this more in recent years. I've, you know, you mentioned Rich Keller yourself, like, I've grown these different circles because my identities change, where I want to go mm. in the world, what I want to do. Mm. And that was a tough thing for me to kind of say, hey, it's not that I don't want to hang out with you, but I found other people that are kind of in a different realm of, of who I want to be around. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, and it, it's a tough kind of um, you know ping pong match, if you will, being able to be okay and saying, And and by the way too, then there's that whole other group of just not talking to and move, removing those entirely. <laughs> those people we don't want to talk about, but you know, those people that were, you're like, like probably what you'd mention is, you know, Hey, I, you know, I lost a lot of friends. Well, mm-hmm. the only thing is, well, did you lose them? Because are you, are you really like sad that they're Absolutely. not there? Right. Because they maybe were pulling you down or as I like to look at from a support system and, and I'll kind of throw it back at you is like, were, were they there when you were saying, Hey, I'm going through this struggle there to support you? Was anyone even there for you? Or they were like, Oh, he's doing this other thing. Would I even bother with it? Because that's not true friendship. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's really funny, right? Like I've, um, and I imagine we'll get into this. But you know, as I've stepped into this world of content creation, I've seen so much content do well on this idea of like, how do I make friends? Because like, you know, and I have this whole thesis of like, there's a list of things that you're taught in, you know, grade school, that like, are pointless and then there's a list of things that you're like not taught that are like so valuable like if somebody taught us how to breathe or how to make friends or how to just like give ourselves love like the things that like should be so basic but i think like get overlooked because it's not the pythagorean theorem and it's like yeah of course i can understand that walking on the diagonal is easier than walking it you know one way and then the other but like i can just know that without having to know you know a math equation but you know, I digress to say that um, in in that phase in my life, I did not have anybody really that was there for me. I've had one friend that like I had since like freshman year of college that like stayed there with me and like, would spend nights with me, you know, where I didn't want to go out. But at the same time, he didn't want to change his whole life in order to kind of be there for me. Um, And I get it. It's tough. You know, it's not like, here I was like coming back from rehab where it's like this, oh my gosh thing where like people are kind of, you know, seeing like this taboo, it was more like, all right, yeah, he's just not drinking, which means like, we're just not seeing him. Um, and you know, it's like this subtle outcast of society. And at the same time, like there was nothing I could do about it because I knew if I went out, it was not going to be good for me. So I just kind of had to accept that this was going to be my life. Um, and, you know, to kind of take it to the next phase, it was like, okay, well, now how do I go and make friends? Um, and I've done this in like various stages of my life. And I'm continuing to do this, you know, similar to you, I'm, I'm from New York, I went to Washington, DC for school. And then after school, I moved to South Carolina, and I didn't know a single person. So you know, here I am in my senior year before moving to South Carolina, where I'm not drinking, and now need to make a whole new crop of friends. And then I leave school, and I move to an area where like, You know, all my friends are moving to New York or staying in DC or moving to LA and I'm moving to Columbia, South Carolina and, you know, same experience. And I'm like getting ready for it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I know what to do now. I've done this before. You know, I made friends after becoming sober and, you know, that was my thesis on like, yeah, my identity gets shattered to its core again, where I moved to this city where the majority of social interactions are based around going to church on Sunday. And I'm a Jewish kid from Long Island who's never been to church in his entire life. And now I'm like, wait, uh, how how am I supposed to make any friends whatsoever? Um, You know, I'm this meditation guy now. Like, do you guys want to talk about that? And they're like, no, like, that feels like some other religion. So that conflicts with what we believe. And here I am now like a total outcast of society again, but in a way that like is almost worse because I'm like, wait, but now I'm doing what's right to me. But people like still don't really want to like spend time with me. Uh, And, um, you know, I think your point, yeah, there, there are always going to be people that like you just feel close with. And I have this thesis that's like the determination of like a good friend is somebody that you can just say, hey, come over. And like, there doesn't need to be anything planned, right? Like when you're still like planning dinners, or like saying like, hey, let's go grab a coffee, or let's go to the movies, or let's go do something. It's still like, there's an awkwardness between you and the other person that requires like an activity to mitigate the awkwardness, right? But when you can just sit and share silence, or talk about nothing, or have nothing planned, like, that's when you know you're actually close with someone, at yeah. least in, you know, my experience, in my opinion. Um, and it's been cool, you know, I've been able to build that in various communities. I mean, you know, I, I know I'm speaking very bleakly, but by the end of my senior year, you know, I built a community of about 50 people that were coming to meditate with me. And all of a sudden, you know, I was um, being able to share what became my lifeline with people that I cared about. And then when I moved to South Carolina, you know, I had, uh, I would say probably about six months of trying to figure it out. But then I started to build a community around, you know, something we both love, which was CrossFit. Um, And, uh, you know, that really helped me kind of in that next phase of my life. And then I moved back to New York and I was able to build a community of people that, you know, kind of hit all of the things that I was focused on. Um, And most recently, I've moved across the country to Los Angeles. And I am currently in this exact moment in the same phase of figuring out, okay, I'm obviously growing as a human. We're all changing. If you're not changing, you're dead. And even when you're dead, you're still changing because your body decays. But you know, we're always changing. So in this moment, right now, I'm dealing with the same thing. Hey, I don't know who I want to become in this next phase of my life. I'm figuring this out. So who are the people that I want to surround myself with that can help me grow? Right? Because I mean, and this will be the last point. I'm putting a lot into one answer, but you know, we're the combination of the five people we spend the most time with. So if you have a vision of who you want to be, you need to surround yourself with people that are going to help you get there, right? And I think, um, you know, in every phase, figuring out who are the people that are going to be there for me, that are going to help me, that are going to help me grow and not stay stagnant. And then who are the people that are like sucking my energy away from me? And how can I understand that like some friendships can just not necessarily be the friendship that they've always been? You know, it's okay to not say goodbye to people forever, but you don't need to like, have somebody around and like be forced to hang out with somebody that doesn't serve you and your future life purpose.
0: Yeah, I think and that goes back to kind of how maybe how awareness, you know, um, connects to connections of being Mm. aware that this is it, right? This is where I'm at today. It's different than a year ago or five years ago and being okay with not having those people in the, the room, if you will. Right. Yeah. Those same people. Um, and I think partly I've noticed this too, and it seems like you have as well, where, you know, you talk about the meditation stuff. I've seen this a lot now. It's been four and a half years doing this podcast and and with CrossFit, obviously it's been almost the the same amount of time, maybe a little less, but like I've, I've had a lot of people more recently and and it it feels good. I'm not going to lie where it's like, they'll reach out and they'll be like, Hey, been following your journey or been seeing yep. this or been wow it's cool and the, the point I want to make is like if you're doing the stuff that you believe in that makes you happy um that makes you you know I you know, the the phrase that gets overused today like fills up your cup you know yep. whatever yep. um I like that phrase though but uh you know if you're doing those things and you're not worried about what does it look like you're just like hey I'm being a good person I'm being positive I'm doing the things that I want to do. It starts to attract the right people. Yeah. Right. Obviously, if you're doing other things, you're talking about drinking a lot and going to bar. Well, you're going to attract those people. You know, you are the average of the the handful of people you uh, hang around with. So I think it's important. um, You know, kind of the last point I'll make on this is just, especially folks listening in, like it took me so long to realize that I just have to make decisions that are best for me. And you could say, well, that's selfish or whatever, but not in like a neg, you know, not like in a, yeah, in a way yeah. like you're hurting people. But like, hey, what, do I want to make this decision and go do? Do I want to go to CrossFit this afternoon? Yes, I do. Yeah. I enjoy doing it because it does X, Y, and Z for me. Great, I want to do that. But because of that decision, it now puts me in a different light to other people mm. unintentionally. Right? It's just like it just happens. Um, so I think that's important. Is like finding friends and and uh, having the right connections. Well, part of that starts with you finding yourself. Yep. You know, and if you find yourself, it's amazing how that it makes it so much easier and clearer to figure out who the right people are to be around.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I believe and you know, this might be slightly controversial or come off like, not in the best way. But in my mind, I think the best thing that people can do is be selfish, you know, to an extent, I think like, don't be an asshole. You know, I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this show, but don't, don't be a jerk. Yeah, you to, can. <laughs> don't be an asshole to the world around you. But if you can, to your point, fill yourself up, you can be of value to the world in such a better way. I mean, we know this, even if like, you don't know this, you know, this, like the moments where you feel like shit about yourself are the hardest moments for you to be there for anybody else. But when you feel good about you you're able to like, you walk down the street with a smile on your face, you know, it's a completely different environment. It's even just like the difference between, hey, I smile at somebody that's walking past me on the street versus like, I keep my head down to my my head down and my AirPods on because I hate everything and everyone. Um, And like, I don't know, you don't like, you never know what even just like one little action can do. And that's why like I do try to focus on having a routine every morning that fills me up. And it's like, it is selfish, you know? Like, yeah, I probably should like be there for other people more. Like I probably should wake up in the morning and like call my mother because like she loves hearing from me and it would make her day. But if I'm not doing the things that fill me up, I'm useless to the rest of the world. So, you know, I believe be selfish, obviously to an extent in a way that allows you to then be there for
0: other people more fully. And I think, you know, I was, you mentioned some earlier. I was pointing to my shirt. I had my be kind shirt on here Um, is it's a choice. Kindness is a choice, right? Yeah. Kindness. I I fully believe that anyone can be kind if they want to be kind, but yeah, yeah, when you're in a crappy mood, when you're not feeling good, when you're depressed and whatever, it's hard to be kind in those moments. Mm. Um, So when you are doing the things that you want to do, when you're active, when your mind is in the right spot that's what, that's the time when we pay it forward or we do these acts of kindness more and more. So that, and that's why my encouragement, I'm always, it seems like I'm having this conversation. It seems like every other day with folks, I'm like, what are you doing to create better energy in your life? Mm. Are you getting Mm. up and doing a morning routine? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you working out? Are you having good connections? Like, and if you're not, this kind of is like, what are you removing? And then what are you adding? You know, are you adding yeah. good energy? Or are you removing the bad negative energy? You know, you made that choice. Hey, I'm, I'm removing the alcohol because it's doing these negative things to me. And you added in more meditation. And ultimately yep. that added in more friendships and so on and so forth. So I think it goes back to that awareness piece is like being able to realize like, these are the things I want to do. These are the things that make me happy or happier. And if you start doing more of those things, Now you can give more to the world in more of a natural way. It's not forced, you know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I have this philosophy on like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Which is like that classic psychological pyramid where it's like, all right, you need your basic needs met, then you need, uh, you know, your belong needs, your self-esteem. Uh, and then eventually like, you know, at the top is like self-actualization. What's your purpose in, in this life? Um, and it's kind of like, in my belief, I'm like, yeah, get your basic needs met. But then like, where I think a lot of people like miss out is like, you're trying to, you know, find the things that are going to get you money, or they're going to get you, you know, kind of success in like the sense of like, what does the world think of me? Um, but, you know, I look at it, and I'm like, if you can have your basic needs met so that like, yeah, you have, you know, the money to be able to sustain a lifestyle that like fills you up. The goal should then be like, what is your damn purpose on this planet? So then the rest can kind of funnel in. Right. Um, When you start to figure out like, what are the things that really fill you up with energy? Then it's like, those are the people you should surround yourself with that like vibe with that as well. That's the job that you should find for yourself because like a third of our life is literally spent at work. So like you should at least do something that is important and matters to you. And like, ultimately, then your basic needs get met by the purpose that you created, right? Because the money that's now coming in to sustain you and the food uh, on your table and the roof over your head is hopefully supported by something that actually matters to you. So I think like, you know, this idea of like, you know, all of this to me comes back to like, okay, why is it hard for people to be kind? Well, people are sad, you know, people are are unhappy. And the reason that people are unhappy is often because, uh, you know, one, we, you know, obviously, excluding somebody that actually has a severe problem and should seek help, you know, we create that existence for ourselves. Um, You know, we attract whatever we put out there. So if you have tons of negative thoughts running through your head, you're gonna attract negativity. It's just kind of how it works. You know, Um, I've talked to people and they're like, look, I I want more friends that you know, I like and more friends that are like me, but instead of doing that, they're just hanging out with the same people and complaining about the friends they have. And like, what, what's going to, when that's your mental mindset, that's all that's going to kind of be circling around you is you're not going out. You're not even stopping the current cycle. You're feeding it by continuing
0: to hang out with the people that don't work for you. Um,
1: And by the way, if
0: I could, if I could interject, but like, you know, when you said that it is true because it's like, Hey, I want more friends like me. Well, if you're negative, you're going to bring on the negativity, yeah. you're going to bring on the judgment, like the you know, they're, you're, you're, you're talking, um, you know, poorly about other people. And all that does is just make you feel bad at the end of the day. And then it's like, absolutely. a whole, you know, you keeps keeps doing that's a revolving door every day. It's a, it's the same old thing. Um, instead of trying to make those hard choices to improve, which are absolutely, hard, you know?
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think it's, we live in like the coolest time ever, where like, literally tomorrow, you could decide, hey, I, I, I want to start a podcast, hey, I want to, you know, start making content, I want to share, you know, this passion I have for building fireplaces, I, I, whatever it is, you know, you can start tomorrow. I mean, obviously, the theme of the show is just get started, like you can start tomorrow. Nobody's saying you have to quit your job, you need to, you know, take a ton of debt out and like, get all of the risk in the world to do it, you know, but no, I mean, things have become so much easier in today's day and age, that you can do whatever you want. At the same time, that makes it so much harder, because it's like, well, what the hell am I going to do? And I think, you know, finding that balance to, to all of the things that we've been talking about, of getting that awareness that you need, finding the people that can help you continue to grow, and then feeding your energy in a way that allows you to like, get up every day and actually be excited about what you do and continuing to refine. Right. And I think like, that was the biggest mistake that I have made in my life is like thinking that I somehow got to the mountaintop and I'm like, good. And like, this is a constant journey. Like, you know, you're, you're making a soup for the rest of your life. And like, if you overboil it, you're going to need to deal with that. You know, if you put too much salt in, you're going to need to add some acid so that it counteracts that and, like it's a dance, the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, being able to, to start to look at some of this stuff in your own life, you know, for anybody listening, if you haven't, is like step one, right? Is like, um, I used to teach a ton of meditation back when I was in college more so than I do now. And the first thing I would tell people is, I'd be like, well, w- what are you searching for? And like people would say, you know, um, I want a good job or, you know, I want, you know, a, a wife and kids or, you know, I want a family. I want XYZ. And I'd be like, great, like, why? Why do you want that? And, you know, you can play that game and like be the annoying four-year-old that asks why over and over again. And, you know, there's a reason why kids are so smart is because like, they don't have the bullshit that we have in our head that allows us to make stuff up. They just get to the root of things. And, you know, when you ask somebody why, 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 it all goes back to the same thing. Like, you know, we want to feel fulfilled. We want to be happy. We want a life that we're proud of. But often people are like searching in the wrong place. You know, if you're like, look, the life that I want is 30 years in the future, I, I don't, I can't get it now, you're never going to be happy, because you're not dealing with the right now life doesn't happen in the future, it happens right now. And, you know, whatever, whatever study you want to pull, you know, you could listen to me and say, what does this guy know, but like, I mean, Harvard studies of the fact that 47% of the time we're lost in thought, you know, thinking about the past or the future, and that state is associated with people being unhappy. And like, you know, That's why all of the things about like finding a job that you like, finding purpose, finding things that'll put you in a flow state where like work kind of melts away and you're just living like that's the stuff that people search for, for their entire life, because that's the good stuff. And when you taste that, it's kind of like, well, why the hell am I worried about the future? I should be thinking about right now. And how can I still build my future, but do it in a way that allows me to enjoy right now? Yeah, that's a a good
0: point. And, And one of the things maybe to underscore with that, just to, and, and you mentioned a few times is kind of like and create, you know, creating energy and, you know, kind of getting out of the gate strong. You mentioned the morning a few times. I know yeah. morning routines have been big for me. I know for you as well. What has worked for you? And not saying it'll work for everyone, but I, I guess more, how have you thought through morning routines? Yeah. And structuring the morning routine. Like what, besides the what you do, that's important, I want to hear that. But the yeah. why do you do that, I guess. Yeah,
1: I I think that that is like the most important distinction. Um, I've been experimenting with this a lot lately and and I have uh, a full series of content that I'm creating around it because I, I do think it is such an important concept, right? How do you start your day to set you up for success? Um, but it's become so like, it's it's taken to a level now where it's kind of like, if you don't wake up at three in the morning and snort a line of pre-workout and like get to the gym and then like run your small business all before like writing a novel, like you're not, you know, doing it right. right. Um, and, you know, you read some of these things and like, you know, I've spent some time around high performing CEOs and like, yeah, they all do have pretty crazy morning routines, at least the stuff that they say out loud. Um, and I, you know, want to take it from a point of like, look, sometimes my morning routine is like, Crap, I slept in too late. I have no time to do anything. I'm going to take one breath in my bed right here to get a little bit of like stillness and presentness. I'm going to put my clothes on. I'm going to get out the door. Um, You know, it's never for me like, you know, I have beliefs on um, it should be something that actually fills you up and not something that you do on autopilot. And I think your question about why is like the most important question because I think when you take this backdrop of this is what all the high performing people do, that's what you think you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And it ends up like becoming a thing that like, this is supposed to be something you love that is your me time before the day comes in and kicks your ass, you know, as it can sometimes. Um, but I think we often look at it and we're like, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, Steve Jobs used to wake up at 6am and go for a walk. So like, maybe that's what I should do. Um, and I think, you know, when I sat down and reevaluated in my routine, which I did when I moved here to California I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, what are the things that I actually really like to do? You know, I'd realized that my meditation went from something that I loved every morning to now like, all right, I'm just on autopilot. And I'm just doing this because like, I feel like I'm supposed to. Um, And, you know, in order to kind of shake that up, the things that I do are, I'll change, you know, the time around it. Um, So if I'm meditating for 15 minutes, usually, you know, I'll try doing less, I'll try sometimes doing a ton more and like just seeing, what my body gravitates towards because it's like everything else, you know, a dance, you want to try to find that balance where it leaves you feeling good, not like, oh, thank God, that's something I can check off my list, right. Right. Um, And I think, you know, the pro tip that I have used to do that is like creating like, special rituals around it, right. So like, when I make coffee in the morning, like, it's important to me how I make the coffee, like I have this like unique coffee that I make that like, I had made for me once when I was traveling in Europe, And I thought it was delicious. And I've now I've made it every morning for, you know, the last two years. Um, And I, you know, that to me is like a special moment. It's not just like, my eyes are closed. And I like, push the button on my Mr. Coffee, and like call it a day like, no, you know, it's a, it's, it's a special experience for me, just like my meditation, you know, is I don't just plop on the couch and close my eyes and say, let me meditate, you know, no, I have things like light therapy that I put on to, you know, kind of help me ease into the morning, I use Palo Santo, which is, you know, a wood that has, to me, a great smell and, you know, helps kind of put me at ease. I use music, you know, I use all of these things to try to, like, make my morning more of a ritual and less of a routine, so that there's intentionality behind it. And it's not just, hey, I'm getting up, I'm rushing through everything, and finally, I get to check it off my to-do
0: list. Yeah, the, and and that's something, too, the morning routine, like I said, going to the, the why. I, I remember having this conversation with a friend last, I think it was last fall, we were having dinner or something, and he was like, I want to start working out again. I got to start running. And I said, hey, why don't you get up in the, get up in the morning before it gets crazy. He's got a young child. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to start doing that. I want to get up for like, yeah, maybe I'll just run like 30 minutes. I'll run a couple miles or something. I'm like, why don't you just run for five minutes? Yeah. Just, just, just run on the block. And because I said, if your goal is fitness, if your goal is to kind of improve and get that energy, again, going back to the why it's like, all right, well then running, it could be running, it could be doing something in your house, it's the going for 30 minutes is not because if you're gonna slog through that by day like three, you're gonna be like screw this. And and yeah. you know, sure enough, it's like he never really did it. I remember talking to him a few yeah. weeks later and I said, Hey, did you and he's like, No, it's just been hard to get up. And and I feel a lot of folks struggle, and, and the reason I know that is because I struggled for many years where I remember going, so I used to have a paper route when I was a kid. I started when I was 11. So I was getting up like at 5.30 a.m. And being from New York, as you know, six, seven months out of the year, if not eight, it's cold as hell in the morning. Sometimes it has a lot of snow on the ground. So getting up at 5.30 in the morning and then delivering papers, I mean, I built work ethic because I'm like, I had to get up. It's part of a job. Yeah. Yeah. And then for many years, I was like, screw this. I'm not getting up early. I don't, (laughs) you know, and you kind of (laughs) fall into this like, you know, I'm just not getting up early. I'm going to sleep and I'm going to do whatever. And it took me a while to go back to the why, because I wanted to create well, one of the, my big mm. things. And it seems like maybe similar to yours is like, I wanted to create positive energy in the morning. I want to feel like I was kind of like, like my son has all this energy and I yeah. wanted to create that kind of like shooting out of the cannon type feel. And what I yep. noticed is when I kind of hit the snooze alarm a a million times, or I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, get up, or I kind of just slog the first little bit, I never got the energy I needed. And now with some of the stuff, mm-hmm. like the first thing I do is yoga or stretching in the morning, yep. because mm-hmm. I find that gets me a little, I don't want to do a full workout in the morning, right? I'm not one of those. Yeah. I don't like working out in the morning, but I want to at least get some body movement before I can yep. kind of sit and be still. um So what's interesting is like, if you know the why behind it and you, and by the way, I think you do want to commit to a change because if you don't have a morning routine now, it means, okay, I can add a morning routine. Well, what does that look like? And building, going back to what we talked about earlier, you build those systems in place, right? Yep. You start putting those things in place that you know, all right, this is gonna be part of the process. Because I like what you said is like, it doesn't have to, be the same with me. It's not like I'm gonna do 17 minutes of yoga and this video and whatever. It's like this, you know, a lot of times it's downstairs in my um, my gym I have in the garage where it's like, I'll put on a YouTube video for 20 minutes sometimes it's like today where it's like, it was eight minutes of stretching. Yeah. Upstairs while the coffee was being made, you know, so it's, it doesn't have to be exact, but if you kind of can stick to at least what is part of it, I think is really yeah. helpful as well.
1: Ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, in everything that you're saying, like, three, three things came to mind. The first is, you know, you were talking about this idea of not Uh, you know, how you feel when you snooze the alarm. And, you know, I I don't even remember who it is, it might be Jesse Itzler's philosophy of like, the way you do one thing is how you do everything. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if you're somebody that snoozes the alarm, like, that's the mindset that you're gonna slowly start to see gravitate in your life. And you're gonna be like, all right, I probably should work out right now. But you know what, I'll put it off for another 30 minutes. And like, You know, it's one thing with snooze, snoozing the alarm because it's like, look, eventually you're getting out of bed. You know, it's like going to happen. But with other things in your life, like if you snooze the idea of working out for too long, you're not going to do it. And you know, these are the things that are going to start to happen in your life. And you know, I think it's funny because it's something so little, right? Is like just hitting that snooze button, which is so easy. Um, but if you don't take action in your life, like that, just becomes the habit that you build um, whether you like it or not, you know, it all connected to this idea of like the energy that you're putting out there is what you attract. So if you're somebody that's a snoozer, like that's kind of what your life is going to turn into. And I'll say, this is somebody that like is, and has been a chronic snoozer in my life. And I've seen it show up. And then every time I see it, I'm like, okay, gosh, I need to work on getting up in the mornings. Cause this sets the tone for how I feel throughout the day. You know, so I'm not sitting here on my high horse saying like, don't snooze. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm part of this problem myself. Like, this is how I live my life but it affects everything that I do. And that's why i put so much effort into both my morning and my evening routine, because without my evening routine, I don't go to sleep at the right time. And then I can't wake up in the morning. Um, You know, we can talk about
0: all of that, but no, you're right. Well, you you actually just hit on what I was going to throw in there is like, I think everyone listening in, it's something to really take up, you know, almost like a, a stock of, if you will, is like, where are you like throughout the day, where do you get stuck? Where do you feel? And mm-hmm. I know for me, the my bedtime routine is way more important than the morning routine. Yeah. Because if you know, I think it goes back to Dr. Matthew Walker uh, wrote a great book called Why We Sleep. And I remember one of the things in there is like, if you're waking up every day by an alarm, it means you're underslept. Mm-hmm. You should be naturally waking up. <laughs> And so, if if you are waking up by alarm every single day, doesn't mean it can't happen sometimes. But if it's every day, then you have to kind of backtrack and say, "All right, am I going to bed? Am I falling asleep at the right time? If I'm not, well, now, how do I start putting in those routines yeah. as well at the end of the night to to kind of calm me to get me into bed?" Yeah. Really? So I think there's a th- this is not like a you know the one size fits all or you got to do this or that. It's I think it's taking stock of the entire day and figuring out what are different things that we can look at um, each individually. And I think partially, by the way, this all goes back to, yeah, I think you mentioned it, or like the kind of this hustle culture we've had is like, yeah, I got three, you know, I love Jocko, but he's taking pictures of it, (laughs) watch at 4.30 a.m. I'm like, sorry, Jocko, I ain't getting up at 4.30. But, you know, but that's, that's for him. And I, again, I love what he's about in in his stuff, but it's like, that's for him. For me, it's different based on maybe when I want to go to sleep or when I want to wake up or different things I want to do during the day. So I think this goes all the way back. It kind of circles our conversation to if you're aware of who you are, what you want to do, what are the decisions you want to make and the people you want to be around, that helps kind of make some of these decisions themselves, if you will. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, to to piggyback off it, it's even in that, you know, that same book by Matthew Walker, he talks about the fact that some people are wired for mornings and other people are wired for nights. And, yeah. you know, it, you know, unfortunately, our society is wired for a nine to five schedule. So you know, mm-hmm. there is not full wiggle room. But I think knowing which one you are just based on, you know, to me, this is like the, the uh, age old test. And I don't know, maybe this applies to you, maybe it doesn't. But I always tell my friends, I'm like, all right. When you were in school and you were working on a project really late at night where you're, you you have two choices. It's either, I'm going to stay up until this is done or I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up really early and do it. And like, I consistently see this, like the people that are like, yeah, I, I would go to sleep and wake up early and do it. Like those are morning people. Those are people that can get up early and get their stuff done. I'm like, no, I was staying up until 6am, 7am. It didn't matter how late I needed to stay up to get this done. Cause I didn't believe that I could wake up in the morning uh, if I didn't like have proper sleep, so I'd rather just push through. Um, but I think knowing which one you are allows you to then build routines around that, at least to some extent, right? I can wake up at five thirty in the morning. I don't. You know, my routine is I wake up somewhere between six thirty and seven. I meditate for you know thirty minutes, give or take. Uh, I you know try to get out for a run before you know kind of the day starts for me around nine. I do some journaling and then I make my coffee and you know usually. By 8.39, I'm showered, I'm eating my breakfast, and I'm ready to start the day. Um, but it moves, and it changes, and it's flexible. And I have, you know, this is like another pro tip for anybody. I have a quick routine that's like, if I wait, sleep in too late or if I'm in a different city, or if I'm traveling, that's like 15 minutes long, right? I meditate for five minutes. I do five minutes of stretching. And, you know, I uh, write down a few words, like on my journal app on my phone. Um, and it's the same concepts, right? which is something that I think people need to also take stock of is my routine is movement, stillness, and reflection. Movement is some form of exercise, stillness, some form of, you know, meditation or just like calming my body down and reflection, some form of journaling or talking to somebody, et cetera. Um, And it's like, as long as I know what the themes are, I can do my routine anywhere at any time, you know, that can at least mold and adapt with the craziness
0: that can sometimes be life. Mm -hmm. I really like how you kind of, I don't know if I've boiled it down to the simple movement stillness reflection. I think that's exactly what I do. Um, I don't, I don't, it's what most people do. Yeah. I don't (laughs) phrase it like that, but no, that's, I, I actually think that's, um, because when we do travel, sometimes we get off our schedule or we do, you know, we have different things that are coming up, but I think if you can categorize it, that's an interesting way of, uh, of approaching it for sure. Um, Man, this is uh, I, I, I have a feeling we could talk for like three more hours. Yeah, like, <laughs> we can go, we can go like- rog- <laughs> Rogan style here and, uh, and, <laughs> for a long form. Um, what, uh, what are, I, I'll kind of let, let's end on this and we'll do this a part one and, and we'll, uh, we'll reconvene for part two at some point. What are you focused on right now? You talked about some content stuff and I know we chatted about that a little bit last time, which yep. is intriguing for me. What are you focused on? What are some things you're excited about the next maybe six to 12 months?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, we didn't do much of kind of the background story. And and I'll tell it in six seconds. But basically, I've done everything from a financial analyst to leading startup teams to writing a book and, you know, kind of have, uh, in my short five year long career thus far have, I feel like taken many different roles in many different seats. And um, most recently, back in October, uh, I quit my job to go out on my own for the first time in my entire life. Um, And it has been great and it has been terrible and it has been uh i I would never trade it for anything but i think you know the one thing that i'm sure you learn the second that you go and become an entrepreneur is like it's not the sexy lifestyle that like is the personified successful entrepreneur right there are these days where like all you want to do is sit on the couch and cry about the fact that like what you're building isn't working um but I think you know, it's been such a rewarding time in my life to figure out, okay, how do I, to everything we've talked about, keep building systems, keep renewing my energy, keep finding people that push me forward so that I can you know, continue to work on what I wanna build. And for me right now, that is a full brand around this idea of living life from the inside out, which to me means connecting to everything that we got going on in here and using that to basically spur how you live your life, whether that's how you build routines, how you think about the purpose that, you know, you feel driven by and what you're doing in your work and how you connect with people, you know, whether it's loved ones or friendships and using all of that to build yourself the best life possible. Right. I think, um, we spend so much time thinking about the external and you get to a point, no matter who you are and no matter where you are, where all of the external needs that you desired are satisfied. And now you say, what, what the hell am I supposed to do with my life? Um, and I think it's like, people are going to look at me and be like, this makes no sense. I don't understand. And I think two points. One, you look at any like well-known person that has reached the modicum of success they desired, they're all doing meditation now. They're all thinking about reflection. They're all seeing therapists. They're all doing everything that like, you know, people are probably telling you to do now, but you're like, no, I, I, I I gotta be somewhere else. And I think, you know, to me, that has been a North star and a signal that like, no matter how much you do successfully from the external perspective, if you don't deal with the internal, you're never going to be truly fulfilled and happy. Um, And that's why I'm creating what I want to create. Um, So right now it's all content-based and it's trying to, you know, share messaging that uh, is around this topic that people can resonate with. And, you know, I think we live in such a cool time where a 20 second TikTok video can actually add value. You know, sometimes it's a cheap laugh, Other times you're like, holy crap, I didn't even realize that like I was going to learn this today. And that's pretty freaking cool, because it's hidden under entertainment. Um, And I think, you know, in our world now, what I am excited about is that platforms that exist today that didn't exist two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, allow you to really build an audience around whatever it is that you want to talk about. Um, So I think, you know, anybody that's got like a mission or a message or something that they want to share, or even just an idea that you think is good pop onto a platform like TikTok, make a video that's 20 seconds long talking about it, see who gravitates towards it because the way that things work in this world is just absurd um, in the coolest way. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what I'm excited about is being able to see more people have a belief and be able to start sharing it and be able to have people gravitate around it. Mm.
0: And one thing you said there that was really important, I think, to, to really double click on is, you know, this whole idea of success, where like, I like, I'm, I, I've asked this of myself recently, but in, in general, just asking this of people is define success for yourself. Mm. Because we, the, the old ad, and I know I'm older than you by what, probably 14 years or something like that. You know, when I was growing up, it was success, but the first it was always, do you have some job, like a high title or high profile job? Do you have a lot of money? are you known? Like, do you have status? Maybe it was the car you drive, like that type of crap. That's so insignificant. Yeah, But you're really defining success for yourself. Now, maybe some people will define that as success. I don't know. That's not for me to decide, I guess. But defining success for yourself internally, so that you know how to make those decisions going forward of, of what you want to do. Because if you don't define success, you're just kind of chasing just anything. Um, yeah. Instead of chasing that something that's really uh, what you really want, you know? Yeah. And I think separating it too, from like,
1: what is the definition that like, you know, your parents have, what is the definition that the world has? And then like, what feels right to you? And I think, you know, to to close this on the full circle note, like the only way you're going to know that is from some form of awareness, right? Like, otherwise, you're just going to be in a maglamation of whatever everyone else says. So if somebody says, hey, success is how much money in your bank account, you're going to be like, great, that's all I need to focus on. But you know, as good as that there you know, proven trade-offs. There's only, there's a certain amount of money that you get. And then anything after that just kind of becomes like, it doesn't have as much meaning or as much value. Um, and I think figuring out and being able to build that awareness for yourself so that you can make these decisions and these trade-offs and say like, Hey, wow, like success for me is getting home every day and feeling proud of the work that I did. Um, even if it didn't reflect necessarily in the numbers today, mm. uh, you know, cause it's never going to be like, even the biggest companies in the world never have fantastic days every single day. So I think, you know, this mindset that we have of like, it needs to be perfect always, um, is so like difficult to maintain and so difficult to, to kind of set yourself up for, um, But like we've said this entire conversation, it's also hard to even recognize that if you're not taking a moment to be like, well, what, who am I? What do I want? What, what matters to me? What's my purpose? What's my value in this planet? You know, and I think the other thing, because these are gigantic questions that are not like easy to answer today, um, is that it can always change, right? Like, and I, I'm of the belief that like, if you think you have a purpose, like slap it out there, say it in words. If like, it doesn't feel right, you can always take it back. You can always refine it. You can always make something different. Um, we are never tied to like who we were and who we are. And you can always change. And I mean, you are always changing. So um, just by the nature of our universe. Uh, but I think you know, letting people know that it, nothing is so serious, right? Like I'll tell people right now, my purpose is trying to help people live life from the inside out. And like I have no idea what that means. It just sounded right, and like it feels right now. But I don't know. Catch me part two. I might be saying something completely different.
0: <laughs> well, in the in the words of Rich Keller, right? Who who we are is, uh, or what we do is not who we are. Absolutely. But who we are should drive what we do. So, absolutely. Andrew, this is awesome, man. Where can everyone give you a a digital high five? Say hello. What's the best spot?
1: I I appreciate that, man. Right now, my biggest focus is on TikTok. I think it's such a cool platform. Um, I think for anybody, you know, uh, I'll give my age out, I'm 25. So I, I rejected this platform for so long as being like, this is for Gen Z, I'm a millennial, etc, etc. Now I'm like, all right, I'm an idiot for not being on this a year ago, because like, (laughs) anybody that was is able to build an audience around like the stuff that they're talking about. Um, And uh, any handle that I have there, Instagram, anywhere else, YouTube is all just my first name, Andrew, and my last name Feinstein. uh, And you should be able to find me I have a nice bright yellow picture or yellow background in my picture. So it'll stand right out to you right away. Awesome, dude!
0: Thanks so much, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you, uh, you coming on and sharing your journey, man.
1: Likewise, man. I appreciate you a ton, and I, I can't wait to, uh, to be able to come back, do a part two, and keep, uh,
0: inspiring the world to get started because I think it's super important. <laughs> Hey everyone, just one more quick thing before you skip along in your day. You know, if you do enjoy this content or other things that I've put out, or just enjoy learning more and trying to adapt your thinking uh, to become happier each and every day, there's a couple of things that you may benefit from. Um, if you go to my website, brianandreco.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up for my newsletter that goes out once a week. And that's really a digest of a lot of information that I gather throughout the weeks, whether it's a new video that I think could be informative or a podcast that's been valuable to me, book that I might read, etc. Um, secondly, I blog three times a week, and these are more micro blogs, one to five minute reads, short, digestible blogs that I'll send right to your inbox on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So check that out on my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, if you think it's something you might enjoy. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.